All right, as we uh, continue on this morning, we are into, I think, now week eight of our series in Galatians as we're walking through what Paul had for the church at Galatia. And so Paul's going to transition a little bit today, and uh, we're going to transition, of course, with him. But let me ask you this question before we get started. Anybody in here grow up on a farm? Got one. One that grew up on a farm. You know, as our society transitions from a agrarian society, you know, if I'd asked this question, you know, 50 years ago, probably more than half the hands would have gone up, just the way that our world has changed. You know, if you grew up on a farm, let me, let me brought a little bit for it. Anybody ever tried to grow a garden? Any garden growers in here? All right, got a few, a little bit more. All right, maybe we got about 20% here that have tried to grow a garden. Now, when you plant something in a garden, you plant a seed in that garden, do you receive the fruit or whatever you, seed you plant? Does it happen to grow immediately? No, it doesn't. You have a planting season, and then you have a harvest season. Usually you plant in the spring, and then you harvest in the fall, or if it's some, sometimes it takes longer than that season. I can remember as a kid, my dad planted some fruit trees, and they were just these little skinny stalks, basically, and it took three or four years before we actually got fruit off of that fruit tree, the continual watering. I remember him going out there in the evenings and watering those fruit trees and, you know, putting some fish as, like, fertilizer to fertilize those fruit trees. They had a tangerine and an orange tree and a grapefruit tree out back that he just never was able to get to grow <laughs> to produce great, the grapefruit that he wanted. But, you know, as you think through this, this idea of sowing or planting and harvesting, Paul's going to walk through that today. Now, think about this in terms about what we talked about last week. We talked about the what last week? The fruit of the Spirit. Those things that you are, he talked about not only the fruit of the Spirit, but the decaying fruit of the Spirit before that. Those things that you have that in your life that produce that fruit. So he's going to kind of talk and transition and keep that same theme this week as we move to Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. It says, Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. For the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us now grow, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season will we reap, if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, if you just read this and not think about the entire context of Galatians, you would think, man, Paul's kind of contradicting what he's taught us elsewhere in Galatians. It kind of sounds like that a little bit, but throughout Galatians, Paul has explained that the gospel is that God gives us not what we deserve, but what Christ deserved in our place as a gift. It was the great exchange. Christ took upon our sin upon himself. But these verses almost sound like Paul is introducing 
the principle of karma at the end. The good you will do will come back on you. So, so good karma. So you can reap good karma later on. It almost kind of sounds like that just a little bit on the surface, but it's not that. That's the wrong way to read this. Paul is simply reminding us of something we all know to be true. A principle. A law God has built into every fabric of the universe. And that's the law of sowing and reaping. We must realize that Paul doesn't say here, he doesn't say people reap what they sow unless they ask for forgiveness. He doesn't say that. See, forgiveness doesn't erase what you've sown. I've run into this quite a few times as a pastor. Someone comes to me and they say, Pastor Robert, I'm doing my best right now. To which I say, that's great. That's awesome. God's getting the glory in what you're doing right now. But I have to say, for the previous five or ten or however long years before that, you were living in sin. And you were sowing that sin. And because of that sowing time, you're reaping now what you sowed previously in your life. That was sowing. Now you're reaping from all of those years. And even though now you're doing your best to glorify God in the way you're living your life, it does not release you from the consequences of that sowing that you did for all of those years. You see, you can get forgiveness of sins. Christ gives that to you, but doesn't mean you're not going to suffer from the consequence of that sin. Let me explain it this way. If I eat an entire cheesecake every night for six months, I can ask God for forgiveness of my gluttony, and he will forgive me of my gluttony, but that's not going to make that weight magically fall off, is it? No, it's not. I'm dealing with the consequences of my bad choices on food, because of my six months of eating a cheesecake every night. You can ask forgiveness of your sin, but you can't unsin. Even when God forgives us of our actions, we still have the consequences of our sin. And that's what Paul's saying. He says, what you sow, you will reap. The great pastor in New York, Tim Keller, goes so far as to call this the absolute principle in Scripture. He says, it is what underlies the entire book of Proverbs. There are at least 66 places in the Bible that expresses this sowing and reaping principle. Just a few in Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So even in Proverbs, these three that I just gave you here are some good sowing and some bad sowing. They both will produce a harvest in your life. This is not a promise, but it is a principle. Sow righteousness in your child, Proverbs says, and in most cases, that is the harvest that you will reap later. Where Paul picks up on this principle and applies it to our life is in the Spirit. What you sow to the Spirit, you will reap 
from him. And that is not a contradiction of the gospel. It's how we apply the gospel. This is similar to the metaphor he used in chapter 5, where he told us the quality of our fruits is determined by the depth of our roots. Drive your roots deeper in the gospel, and he says you will bear fruit of righteousness. Remember we talked about that last week. In the same way, sow to the Spirit in your life, he now says, and from the Spirit you'll reap the harvest of the Spirit. So this is true regarding so many things in our life. Think about it and what you put into your mind. If you sow the word of God into your heart, the fruits of righteousness will grow in you. If you sow the things of the world into your mind and into your heart, that is the harvest you will produce. This principle is true regarding what, with what we do with our habits. When you participate in a sin, you are sowing into your life the appetite for sin that will result in a greater craving for that sin. You know how appetite works. An appetite doesn't go away when you feed it, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't go away. You may satisfy it for a while, but ultimately it comes back stronger. If you've ever gone into a restaurant, and we don't have too many buffets anymore, it's kind of funny. I was driving by a, a restaurant the other day, and Cassie was in the car with me, and she was reading the signs, and it said Chinese buffet. And she says, Chinese buffet, what is that, Daddy? Like, my child's never been to a buffet before. And, uh, you know, we, after coronavirus, there's not even hardly buffets left anymore. But, um, you know, if you've ever been to a buffet, there's kind of that, you know, if you go to a normal restaurant, you order a, a, an entree and they bring the food to you, and that's kind of like your limit. You know, most people don't order two or three entrees at a restaurant. They, you know, shut it off. But if you go to a buffet, there's not that guard there. You're like, I'll have some of this, I'll have some of that, I'll have some of this. And you, by the end, you're just like, oh. I ate way too much. Just roll me out of here. I am never going to eat food again. You're smiling because we've all done that at some point. You've gorged yourself. You're like, no more. I'm, I'm giving up fried food for the rest of my life. I'm giving up carbs. No more sugar. But like four hours later, what are you doing? You're scrounging around in the cabinet in the refrigerator, looking for more food, aren't you? Why? Because that appetite is never satisfied. Sin works like that too when someone, when they look at pornography, the appetite for, for pornography only grows stronger and darker with each indulgence. Yes, you can receive forgiveness for that, but the harvest of that sin still remains. And that's going to be true for so all sin, lying. Every time you do it, it becomes easier. Pride. Every time you act on pride, it feels more natural until you're basically a ridiculous narcissist who doesn't realize how ridiculous you sound to everyone else. That's true for any sin. Act on it. And it becomes a greater part of you. You desire it more. Righteousness also works that way. The more you act on righteousness the more that it becomes a part of you. You can only harvest what you plant. And if you haven't sown righteousness, God cannot multiply that in your life. So Paul talks about throughout his epistles 
not just here in Galatians, but this is kind of a theme through Paul's epistles, this idea of sowing and reaping. Not just in Paul's, but all throughout Proverbs and Scripture, we see this principle of sowing and reaping. So we've got four laws of the harvest for us today that I want us to kind of think through with this passage. Law number one, the harvest is limited to the planting. One of the clearest pictures of multiplication that we see is in John chapter 6, where Jesus is standing there in front of 15,000 hungry men. Now, there's probably women and children that were not included in that number. So people say it's probably 15 to 20,000 people there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And he takes a little boy's lunch, five loaves and two fish. You know, he's has this Hebrew happy meal or a Levitical lunch, lunchable, whatever you want to call it. And Jesus takes it and he distributes it out to his disciples. And as they give it away, it multiplies to the point that there was not only enough to feed all of the thousands of people in the crowd, but there are 12 bushels full, basketfuls left over. And this miracle demonstrates this pattern of multiplication. You put it in the hands of Jesus, and as it is distributed, it multiplies. As we sow righteousness into our lives, as we seek out and search the things of God into our lives, it multiplies amongst others around us. You know, people have a lot of of the wrong idea of this miracle. They think that Jesus took the bread and the fish, and suddenly there was just this big pile that everyone came and took a little bit and took some. That's not how it works. As they took it out of his hands and gave it to others, it multiplied. So technically, the miracle happened in their hands and not his. As it was distributed out throughout the crowd, the food multiplied. I point this out because some people say, if it multiplies, if God multiplies, then I'll give it away. And God says, no, give it away and I will multiply it in your life. So many times this idea of sowing and reaping, God will tie back to our generosity in our lives and how we as believers are to be the most generous people. Generosity is an invitation for God to infuse blessing into your finances. So law number one, The harvest is limited to the planting. How are we planting in our lives right now? Law number two, the harvest comes later than the planting. Remember the beginning of the the message we talked about. When you plant something, you don't get a result the next day. It takes weeks, months, even years for the harvest. The hard part of harvesting is it takes time to see your efforts pay off. That's why many people won't do it. We live in such an instant gratification society. I don't know about you, but if you know, you're know looking at the grocery store and it says you've got to bake for 15 to 20 minutes, you're like, man, why can't I just microwave it for like two minutes? Do I really have to wait on the oven for like 20 minutes? And that's how crazy, you know, instant gratif- gratification of society that we become. You know, whenever we, we diet, If you're like me, you want to see the results immediately. That one day that you've eaten your vegetables and stayed away from all the sugar and carbs, you're like, man, why didn't I lose like five pounds yesterday? I was so hungry all day long. 
We want that instant gratification, not realizing that it takes weeks for that to happen. What you harvest today is the result of decisions that you made yesterday. The law of later is why we so often give up on doing the right thing. It takes time to harvest, weeks, months, and years. The law of later is why we envy people who are doing it the wrong way and still seem to be enjoying so much success. We say, is there any use in doing it the right way? Look at so-and-so over here. You see, sowing is not about the immediate, is it? Sowing is always about the future. We're sowing in the present for a future harvest. The best payoffs, the best harvest, takes place after years and years of investments. So the harvest comes later than the planting. The number three, the harvest is always greater than the planting. In the harvest, what comes back to you is always greater than what you've sowed. You can take a small little seed of wheat and it'll turn into a stalk of wheat that then produces hundreds of seeds that then scatter throughout all of the ground that produce more stalks of wheat. Plant an acorn. All of these oak trees out here, these natural ones that have grown, not on the school property, but over here back around on this property, they probably started as just a little acorn. And as that acorn goes in, what happens? A mighty oak grows, which then produces thousands and hundreds of thousands of acorns across its life span. The law of greater, what starts small, multiplies into something much bigger than what you began with. Sometimes people feel like, you know, this is so unfair. They make a few bad decisions and life falls apart and they think, well, I know I haven't always made the wisest decisions, but I don't deserve this. You're exactly right, but what you're experiencing is probably not punishment, per se. It's a harvest. The law of the harvest doesn't operate according to exact proportions, you see. What we reap always comes back to us greater than what we sowed. Always. Jesus talked about the law of the harvest as 30, 60, 100-fold. That's true with our sinful habits that we sow into our lives. It's true with what corrupt thoughts we fill our minds with. It's true with how we raise our kids. So many times I've spoken with Christian parents who are surprised when their kids go off to college and they walk away from the faith and they always say, but we raise them in church. Yes, but church and your walk with God was not important. You came sporadically. You didn't read the Bible or pray together as a family. You frequently missed church for the beach, for sporting events, for Disney. You raised them around God, but God was only a tertiary priority. It was only second or third tier in your life. It wasn't your first priority, and that multiplied in your kids' lives. So, so when they went to college and left the faith behind because they figured getting up and going to church on Sunday morning or living a pure and God-pleasing life in the faith of such a, a hostile culture, it just wasn't worth it to them. And so your half-committed faith, half-committed heart multiplied in them. 
The law of the harvest is always greater than the planting. And last of all, wall number four, we can't do anything about this year's harvest, but we can change next year's. We can't do anything about this year's harvest, but we can change next year's. You reap today what you sowed yesterday. You can't change that. Even if you pray about it, even if you ask forgiveness, like I said before, you can't unsin. The gospel is that God gives you forgiveness immediately. But the way he begins to work change in your life is by getting you to begin sowing seeds of spirit-filled seeds in your life today. That begins today. Some of you right now, you're experiencing a bad harvest that comes from maybe an ungenerous life, dissatisfaction in your heart. Proverbs says the righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the selfish will always be hungry. Maybe it's today you're having financial difficulties or difficulties with your spouse, materialism in your kids, the feeling that you're wasting your life, never feeling like you have enough, always wanting more. We cannot do anything about this year's harvest, but we can change next year's harvest by sowing the right seeds today. The old proverb states, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. You guys ever heard this one? And the second best time to plant a tree is today. I think the same is true in the life of a Christian. It's time to start sowing different seeds so you can reap a different harvest. What do you want to reap next year? What do you want in the life of your kids? What are you sowing in their lives for godliness? It is only possible if you start sowing that today. Let's not forget, we're all planters. We're all sowers here. So when I asked to, to raise the hand, how many of you guys grew up on a farm? There's one hand. Andrea's our, our one that grew up. But that's really not true. Because we all are planters and sowers in this life. Every single one of us are planting seeds in our life. What are you sowing in your life, in the life of your family today? Are you planting in the lives of your kids that God and his word is the number one priority in your life, in their life, in the life of our family? Are there things happening to you now that as a result of sowing, that you're reaping a harvest. Things that you did months, years ago, that you are now reaping a harvest, whether that's good or bad. What are you sowing today that you need to first repent of and ask God for forgiveness? What is something that you need to be sowing in your life, in the life of your kids, that you're not doing now? that deep down in your heart that you know will eventually reap a harvest of grief and pain because of your sin and apathy toward the things of God. You know, let's flip this for just a second. Let's think about it in terms of your life. Who are people in your life that have sowed seeds of righteousness in your life 
that made you the person you are today. Godly seed that resulted in the harvest that you can see in your life today. When's the last time you reflected into those seeds? Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a youth pastor or a teacher or someone that you were close to. Maybe it was a close friend that you can look back into and you can say, man, I've never thought about it in these terms, but all those years that they were mentoring me or counseling me or just loving on me and helping me through my difficult times in life, they were planting seeds into my life. And I'm who I am today because of their planting. You know, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit last week. To see the fruit in your life it is a continual planting or a continual preaching of the gospel in your life day after day after day. We all want to see the love, the joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, all of those attributes. Those don't happen without a planting today planting the gospel day after day, believing that it is finished releases us from the penalty of sin, but planting in our heart that it is finished will continually release us from the power of sin. It's no coincidence that Paul talks about sowing and reaping after he discusses the fruit in our life. So church, as we think about this moment today, Yes, let's repent if we planted that seed. Yes, let's move on. And yes, God gives us forgiveness of that, which is what's so wonderful and, and gracious about our God. But God, but church, what is it that we want for our lives and the lives of our family that we need to be planting now? How do we make God a priority in the life of and our lives, the life of our family, and the life of our kids now. What seeds are we planting moment by moment, day by day, to bring forth that fruit? Let's pray.